0: All right. good evening church, it's good to be with you this evening, thank you for being in the Lord's house. You can start turning to Matthew chapter 14, Matthew 14 is where we'll be tonight. Uh, Pastor said to say hello to the church, Uh, so uh, hello from Pastor Mansour. I think you'll also be in Thailand with him for a couple of weeks, so I better be careful what I say tonight as well, because there'll be that direct report. How long are you there for, two weeks? You're there for a week, so okay, all right. Well, um, we'll be praying for you as well, and and for the church as well while while you're away, and uh, we'll also be obviously praying for our pastor as well while he ministers there. We're in Matthew 14 tonight. Uh, I'd like us to look at verse 13 through to verse 21. There's a famous parable there. It's actually replicated in a couple of places. Uh, Often times, when you will see a a story, not a parable. Uh, in, in the Gospels, it's often uh, talked about in other places, and so there are a couple of cross-references that you could turn to if you're interested. They're in uh, Mark chapter 6, Luke 9, and John 6 of this particular account, and it gives an interesting perspective. Every writer, when looking at a particular account, gives uh, particular information or details that maybe not every account has. So if you're looking at these stories, it's often interesting to look at, at the other accounts as well. But for tonight's purpose... Uh, Matthew 14 has a good context which which is very important to uh, the message tonight so I want us to look at that first and then uh, we'll get into looking at this story of the 5,000 plus fed. It's been a while since I've been here. I think it was a leadership conference but uh, it's certainly a privilege to be here in this place. I remember coming to Good Shepherd when I was just a little guy to leadership conferences. So to finally uh, preach here is just a blessing. So thank you pastor as well for that. But uh, I think we'll start in a word of prayer and then we'll get into our passage this evening as we briefly look at this story. Lord we thank you for tonight and we thank you for the time that we have together. Lord thank you for this church. Thank you for the the great blessing that it's been for many years to many people. And uh, Lord, as we look at this passage tonight, Lord, the 5,000 fed. pray, Lord, that we would see uh, what you would have us to learn from this passage tonight, Lord, in this message. So we thank you and we commit our time to you in Christ's name. Amen. There in Matthew chapter 13, you'll see that Christ could not do many great works in his own country because of their unbelief. And it's in that context you'll see there in verse 1 of chapter 14 that Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus. Jesus is already well into his three-year earthly ministry and people had started to hear about him. People would follow him around. They wanted to see him uh, do miracles. Some people followed him because they, they thought that he spoke wise words People were following Christ around and and it gets back to Herod there and he says to his servants, this is John the Baptist there in verse 2. This is John the Baptist, he is risen from the dead. And then the the author here, Matthew, goes on to give an account as to how John the Baptist dies. And it is unfortunate, but you'll see there in verse 3 that Herod had laid hold of John and put him in prison and his crime was that he called out Herod's... uh, inappropriate relationship with his brother Philip's wife and and John the Baptist there you'll see in verse 4 said, it is not lawful for thee to have her, it's not right, it's not the the appropriate thing to do, it's the wrong thing before God for you to have your brother's wife. Well this upset Herod and he would have put him to death, you'll see there in verse 5, but he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. has Herodias, which is Herodias' daughter, which was uh, his brother Philip's wife, dance in front of him. And he then, you'll see there in verse 7, whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask after she danced before him. And so she goes and consults with her mother and she comes back and asks for John the Baptist's head. So Herod was sorry. Obviously, he was in this situation, this political situation where he didn't want to put John the Baptist, to death, but he's made this oath and he was sorry about that oath that he had acted hastily and yet he has to keep the oath and there in verse 10 he sent and beheaded John in the prison. You'll notice there in verse 12, the disciples came and took up the body, that's John the Baptist's body, buried it and went and told Jesus. So that's the context. It's a its a—it's a sad time for the followers of Christ. Uh, many of them had... Uh, been discipled or had been under John the Baptist's ministry. In fact, Jesus himself, as we know, is related to John the Baptist. And so one of his, his closest friends, the person who baptised him, the person who was going to prepare the way for him, has been killed. So notice there in verse 13, and when Jesus heard of it, when Jesus heard of the death of John the Baptist, his close friend, the person who said, behold the Lamb of God which will take away the sin of the world. He departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And I think it's important for us to remember that Jesus was God and was man. He was 100% God and 100% man. And in, in his humanity, Jesus felt emotions. You know, when Lazarus died, Jesus wept. And perhaps Jesus shed a tear when John the Baptist passed away. But what we can see in this passage is that Jesus departs into a solitary place, he goes into the desert, he seems to be wanting some, maybe some time to himself to, to, to reflect, to mourn the death of, of his relative John the Baptist. But notice there in verse 13, and when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. Now I don't know if you've ever, well we've all been on holidays before, but if you go on a holiday and someone that is maybe annoying or someone follows you out there, it's, it's not always a great thing. You know, you go on holidays to get away from people, to, to just have a break, and, and yet Jesus tries to get some, some space to, to perhaps mourn the death of John the Baptist, and these people hear that Jesus has gone out into the desert, and they follow him out there. They followed him out there. Notice verse 14, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude, and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. And then verse 15, And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages, and buy themselves victuals. Send them away. Tell them to go and get food in another place. There's, as we'll see further on down in the passage, there's 5,000 people plus women and children. They're, this is not a small group of people. And the disciples, when faced with this enormous task of feeding these people, they implore Jesus to send these people away. Notice what Jesus then says in verse 16. But Jesus said unto them, they need not depart, give ye them to eat. Jesus wanted to meet their physical needs and he was meeting their spiritual needs as well. But he tells the disciples to give them food to eat. You know, I think sometimes, and we might just park here for a second that we sometimes get so keen to, to move people on or perhaps something comes up, a need that God wants us to meet and we're unable to meet that need or maybe we don't want to meet that need so we just move on and we send those people away. But I feel sometimes when we do that as believers that we miss out on God's blessing or what God is going to do in that particular situation. Just imagine if Jesus had have listened to the disciples and they had have sent all these people away. They would have missed out on seeing the miracle, seeing the blessing of Jesus meeting these people's needs physically and spiritually as well. You know, so too it is for us. Sometimes we can get so keen to just move on, get to the next thing, you know, get to dinner, turn the lights off in church, finish the altar call quick. Sometimes let's just just slow down and see the need and we'll see God work in that particular situation. Let's not miss out on God's best by being hasty kind of like mary and martha you know martha was going around doing so many different things preparing for jesus getting food for him and jesus really just wanted her to sit at his feet and listen sometimes we just need to take a step back and consider what's before us verse 17 and they say unto him we have here but 5 loaves and 2 fishes and we know from the other passages that there's a young lad that supplies this food for Jesus to use. And, and as you'll continue reading on down in our passage, he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. He takes the loaves, the fishes, looks up to heaven, blesses them, breaks them, gives the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude and all the people there in verse 28, and they were filled. And not only were all the people that were there filled, but notice also in our passage, that they took up fragments that remained 12 baskets full. There was enough for lunch for the next couple of weeks for all these people, enough food to spare. Now, you know, for those who work in the kitchen, feeding 100, 200, 300 people is is no easy feat. And, and, you know, we applaud you for your service. But this is a a massive amount of people to feed. You'll see there in verse 21, and when they had eaten about 5,000 men besides women and children, This is a huge group of people and and sometimes when we read the scriptures, we can sometimes just gloss over this fact. This This is an amazing miracle that Jesus did, feeding all these people with just a handful of food. Incredible. Incredible. Well, by way of application tonight, we don't have long, but I just want us to notice two things about this story that we can take away and put into our own lives. The first one is that Jesus had compassion. And you'll read about this time and time and time again when you're going through the Gospels. When Jesus would look out on a group of people, when he would look across a multitude, he would see their physical needs, he would see them like sheep having no shepherd, lost, spiritually bankrupt, and he would have compassion on them. It was second nature to him. And notice that he didn't treat people badly or become annoyed when they pestered him. Remember the context. Jesus is trying to to mourn the death of his close friend, John the Baptist, his relative, John the Baptist. And, you know, if that was me, I would be, leave me alone. Just give me some time to rest, recuperate, to mourn. But no, these people follow Jesus out there and he has compassion on them. He still treats these people with care having compassion on their physical needs. So too we ought to be like that. And it's hard. Look, I know sometimes there are certain people that that require extra grace in our lives from time to time. But let's have Jesus as our ultimate example. Even when people were pushing his buttons, he still responded with compassion. And that's what we ought to have as believers, that compassionate approach when dealing with the lost and even with our fellow brethren. You know, sometimes it's, it's one thing to, to be compassionate to the people on the street, but what, what about our own families? What, what about our own friends? We've been compassionate to them when they push our buttons. But not only that, notice Jesus also acted on his compassion. So he had compassion, but he didn't just have compassion. He, did, he didn't just say, you know, thoughts and prayers be with you, you know, God bless you, have a good day. No, he saw the need and he attended to that need. Notice there in verse 14 that he healed the sick, physical need. Then in verse 15 and 16 he holds the disciples back from turning the the group of people, the multitude, away. But then notice in verse 19 and 20 he hands out food as well, all physical actions that Christ did. And, you know, I think it's very important for us as believers that we don't just talk about what we're going to do but that we actually do and put into practice what God wants us to do. 1 John 3, 16 to 18, you don't have to turn there just for the sake of time, but it says this, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But then notice this, But whoso hath this world's good, And seeth his brother in need. Now, can I just stop there and say that we have this world's good living in Australia. God has blessed us immensely. We have this world's good. And then notice this. And seeth his brother in need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. That word appears again, compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? How dwells the love of God in a person that does not put their faith into practice? If you see that need and refuse to meet that need, how dwelleth the love of God in him? And then John goes on to say this, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Actions speak louder than words. People are looking at our lives as believers. We're under scrutiny each and every day. People are looking at how we respond. Will we meet that need? Will we care? Will we show compassion? People were looking at Christ in our passage. The multitude was there. Could have very easily turned them away. The disciples in their flesh wanted to get them away. But no, Jesus not only looked on them and had compassion, but he acted on that compassion as well. So let that be us tonight. Let's, let's make that what we are striving towards, what we are striving to compassion in action. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the short time that we've had together tonight, Lord. And uh, as we've considered this story of you and how you treated people, Lord, help us to, to follow your example in our lives. Lord, the world is a needy place. It's also a sinful place, Lord. And people will sometimes be guilty. Lord, help us to respond in the right spirit. And Lord, to be like Christ, to have that compassionate approach, Lord. People are observing us and and Lord, they're looking at our testimony as believers. Lord, help us to, to be that good example to the world around us, Lord. They need you. They have so many needs. Lord, help us to meet those needs physically and spiritually as well, Lord. So we thank you for our time together. And now, Lord, as we pray, there are so many things, so many needs. Lord, help us to to bring them before you tonight. But then also go out and see, Lord, what we can do, putting our, our compassion into action. In Christ's name, amen.